Welcome, everyone, to the chat. I'm coming to you from the beautiful city of Columbus, Indiana. My name is Nida Evans, and I am the host for the chat. It airs each Saturday morning from 9 to 10 o'clock on radio station WYGS, and it can be live-streamed from its website. The chat is also available on Google, Apple, and Spotify podcasts. Today, I'm chatting with Marsha Rodenberger. Marsha has a degree in pastoral counseling and has been a hospice chaplain for 18 years. She's very active in the Columbus area Emmaus and Chrysalis community, also the wreck. We'll be right back with the chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat, for the Savior is near. I'm stepping out, out of the boat, for the Savior is near. Today I'm chatting with Marsha Rodenberger. Marsha has a degree in pastoral counseling and has been a hospice chaplain for 18 years. She's very active in the Columbus area Emmaus and Chrysalis community. She also is in REC. Welcome to the chat. Well, thank you, Nina. So good to have you here, Marsha. Thank you for the privilege. Will you tell us about your family? Oh, sure. I'm very proud of my family. I've been married twice, and I have uh, four children, one in heaven, and six grandchildren, and three great-grandchildren from those two marriages. Will you tell us about some of the work you've done? Yes. I've been a pastor. I've been a workplace chaplain. I've mostly been a hospice chaplain, and I've enjoyed that immensely. That seems to, to have hit my gifts and where God was kind of leading me through all the circumstances of my life and until I hit that sweet spot, as they say. It was very gratifying, very honoring of God. So in working as a chaplain, we don't see very many of those women who are involved in that, especially in hospice. True. And yet, I think women offer such a time of being able to embrace the family and the patient, uh, offering comfort of, from God that I don't mean to sound critical of men, but women seem to have more of a, a mothering mm-hmm. instinct, a presence. We do bring that to our patients and their families at a very difficult time in their lives together. Such a worthwhile occupation, I'm sure. Yes, it has been. Will you tell us about your testimony? When did you come to know Jesus? I've always seemed to know Jesus. I was born into a church family, uh, taken as soon as the doctor said I could go. And I was baptized when I was nine. I have to admit that in truth, I didn't really meet Jesus until I was in Bible college, which is kind of weird when you say that at 12, I wanted to be a, a minister. I'd went forward at church camp and committed my life to serving him. But it wasn't until college when I went, oh, that's who you are. And I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. And I got curious, and I wanted to invite him in. And so I did. And I said, I want to, I want to know you. I want to see your work in me and around me. And that opened up a whole new world and a whole new level of relationship with him. 
then when my first husband died at a young age and I was young and kind of lost, God became very, very, very close. Jesus kind of stepped in, not kind of, stepped in and became my, my husband, as Scripture says he would, and the father to my children. My relationship just rocketed deeper mm-hmm. at that point and that struggle and that pain. Has God given you a passion for anything in any area? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, in the beginning in college, I began to love older folks. I was a nurse's aide in college. It really, truly enjoyed older folks. Uh, they taught me how to hold hands, how to how to hug, how to accept life, which I'm still learning how to do that. I wanted to work geriatrics, but of course God had his own mind, and you know how it goes. We, we make plans, but God does it, mm-hmm. so that's the way it went. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he seems to have his own plan for us, right? Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> yes, and I'm I'm glad that I went with him instead of trying to force my own way. What are t- a couple of areas where he has worked on you to make you more like Jesus? I would say listening to him and following after Bill's death. I really needed him and to depend upon him, to walk more in faith, not by sight. And that became very important and needful. Another instance might be when I retired. It was a whole new ballgame. I spent my career in the car, and I did most of my praying in the car, going from one home to the next, And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting at home. I'm not in my car. So now what do I do? Mm -hmm. It's different. I can see where it would be. Big difference. Yes. But I have now a a chair in front of my front window, and I have lots of morning light coming through. And that's where I sit. That's where I pray, where I read. The chat has a theme song called Stepping Out. And in that, it's a song about where God wants us to step out of the boat into faith. Has there been a time in your life he's wanted you to step out of the boat into faith? Yes, that time after my husband died and I didn't know, as many women say, I don't know where... Where I was going to get my income, I didn't know where I was going to live for sure. I wasn't sure what my daughters were going to be, how they're going to feel about God. It was very important to me mm-hmm. what they thought. Then again, there was the time in stepping out in faith, uh, being single again. Being single is a whole nother ball game. Also, you just You don't know. You don't have that second person to make decisions with. You've got to rely on God totally and if you ask him, but you got to ask him. Mm -hmm. There are times when, when when you forget to ask. Somebody's pressuring you for an answer, Mm -hmm. and so you answer, and you may or may not do the right 
answer. You don't have anyone to bounce off of. No. No one to balance me out. And I'm, sometimes I'm off the wall, as think, my daughters say. <laughs> I think we all are from time <laughs> to time. Yes. Let's talk about your prayer life. Do you have a place that you go to every day to pray? Yes. Since I've retired, I've been going to my red chair in front of my front window where the morning light comes through. Mm-hmm. I like it there. It's soothing to my soul just to sit there and to bask in his light and to pray, to read. Can you tell me what your prayer life looks like? Let's start early in the morning and go all through the day to bedtime at night. Do you pray before you get out of the bed? Sometimes, not always. Sometimes it's like, okay, God, I've got to get my body up and going. Please help me stand up. I always think it's a good day if I can stand up. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think we all think You understand that one? Yes. But basically, it's getting to the chair. When I get there, since I'm retired, that's the way it is. And then when special circumstances show up, like I'm leading a a bereavement support group called Grief Share at Church. I pray for the participants there, family, friends, neighbors. I go down through a list. I'm a very sensory-oriented person, mm-hmm. so a list helps me. I go by sound. I live near a fire station. When I hear a siren, I am praying for the first responders getting there safely, the people that they're going to be meeting and helping, getting people out of their way, whatever is necessary. And I do that for all of them, no matter where I am and what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I I only get a few seconds because I'm in a conversation with somebody, but it's it's always on my mind, basically because my late husband was transported in an ambulance, and it was very important Mm. Do you pray in the evening time as well? I do. Basically, Lord, help me. I hope I didn't ruin too much during the day. Did I do right by my grandchildren? Is there anybody I forgot? Was there something I needed to do? And forgive me if I didn't do it. And then do you have any prayers at bedtime? That is my bedtime routine. Okay. Are there any prayers you pray specifically for yourself each day? Other than getting up out of bed? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, that basically right now in my old age, as I say, just getting the body to to work and keep my mind focused on the day, uh, on what is next. What what task do I have in front of me? I don't want to forget it. Are there any prayers you pray that God has not answered the way you wanted him to answer? Yeah, there was one. Um, Way back when, I wanted a a really fancy little van. I went in and started negotiating with the car dealer (laughs) guy. He came down within $100 of my price that I said I had, but God and I had already decided together that that was the price and no higher what I was going to go. And I walked away from it and uh, because he couldn't come down another $100. 
I really want like that van, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So you didn't budge, huh? I didn't budge. It was hard walking away. It, it took everything in my in my spirit and body to do that. That was a time in which God and I were very, very tight, and I knew I couldn't do it. If God could answer two prayers for you, Marsha, what would those two prayers be? I would like all of my family to be very, very close uh, to God. I don't want to spend eternity without them. I think that I would love to see REC take off more, to Mm. be in more counties, more RECs actually, because it it takes so many people to do one weekend. And if you don't know what REC is, it's Residence Encountering Christ. We bring Christ and we walk with them, showing them that there's other ways to relate to people than what maybe many of them understand and have experienced who are in the jail. I think that needs to be more of. You want more open doors for that? Yes, I do. Well, this is interesting, Marsha. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back with the chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat. Welcome back to the chat. I'm talking and chatting with Marsha Rodenberger. Marsha has a degree in pastoral counseling, and she's been a hospice chaplain for many years. She's involved with Emmaus and Chrysalis and the REC program. Okay, Marsha, are you ready? We're going to look at blessings now. Tell us t- just two. I know God has mm. has blessed you big time. Yes, he but has. Share just two of what you would consider to be your greatest blessings with us. I would say that my blessings right now, my current two very big ones, I'm adopting two little poodle mixes, and they are just loving. They show me God's unconditional love mm. every single day. I sit with one of them for 10 minutes in the morning on my lap because she is in such need of showing that love and also receiving it. Since they were two castaway dogs, they need a lot of healing also. She blesses me with thanksgiving and blessing and unconditional love, and I share that with her. The second blessing that I think is the biggest is my work with Emmaus, Chrysalis and REC. Mm-hmm. Emmaus and Chrysalis, they are to raise up and give tools to the leaders of the church. And REC is to be the hands and feet and to sometimes just to be the hugger of people in place of, I should say, of Christ, to be that flesh and blood representing of him to the community. That is such a blessing. I'm not a crier. But the first time I entered a woman's jail, I cried like a baby, and it was totally took me by surprise. And that God just softened my heart. It is just such a valuable way of sharing love and seeing how God works in people's lives so unexpectedly. See the fruit. I can see how those two would be. A big blessing to you because you're seeing God's hands at work. Yes, exactly. And the progress and so forth that 
these men and women are making. And just to think, Marcia, I would think how wonderful, how great it would be to know that God was using you to touch the lives of people who may not come to know Christ. True, and and I can say, hey, you know what? God can use me. He can use you. I don't feel it particularly, you know, special. Mm -hmm. I'm just used, and I'm there. I've been Mm -hmm. loved, and so I know how Mm -hmm. to love. That would be a big blessing to know that God is using you. I'd like to get into your devotion time now. As Christians, and especially as Christian women, we need to be taking time out each day to praise and to be in God's Word and all those different things and just to worship Christ. What do your devotion times look like? Do you have a special devotional that you use? Tell us about it. Well, not right now. I don't have anything particularly at this point. Basically, I sing a lot. I love to sing my my worship. My daughter has recently changed jobs, so now that she's awake, when I'm awake, so that's pretty cool. And so I can do things. I can be a little bit more verbal, and that's nice. You're reading scripture? I'm reading scripture, yes. Find that scripture is a living, breathing entity. It's not a stale book with uh, Mm -hmm. paper-thin pages that you have to be so careful with. All right? All over my Bible. Okay. Yeah. uh, Some people don't write in their Bible, and that's fine if they think that they shouldn't. But for those of us who will make notes and that sort of thing, how important that is for us to be able to do that. But that's not for everyone. No, no, it it isn't. You asked me what I did, so (laughs) there it is. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, Marcia, of the nine fruits of the Spirit, which one do you think you possess or people can see most readily in you? Acceptance, the love, the unconditional love. That is a mm. gift that, that God has granted to me. I didn't seek it. I don't do anything for it. If you see it in me, it's not me, it's him. Because I can be just as ugly as the next person, I guess. Mm-hmm. That is definitely a gift he has granted to me. Well, of the nine fruits of the Spirit, which one do you think you don't possess very much of? Self-control. Mm. <laughs> it's my bugaboo. It's the one that I think, Lord, why can I not do this? Mm. You know, it just doesn't seem to fall into place for me. I know you, others have, have no problem with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that's a common one to not have self-control that, or have a very small amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, when sometimes a lot is required, we need a lot of in certain things. Okay, let's get into Bible study. What is a book of the Bible that you really like? You just really like above most of the others, although they're all important, they're all good. But which one do you really enjoy spending time in? Well, it's a toss-up between Isaiah and Jeremiah, two of my favorites. Mm -hmm. In fact, I've just started a Hebrew class from the University of Israel 
to learn Hebrew so that I can understand Isaiah and Jeremiah better. Mm-hmm. I'm only in the alphabet, so don't ask me a lot of other questions. But uh, <laughs> You've got to learn the alphabet first. You've right? got to start with your ABCs, you betcha. But I do like those two prophets the best. Mm. It's not the, the condemnation part, the pointing of the finger and the saying, this is what you've done and therefore this is what's going to happen. It's the, the redemption part. It's the promise parts, mm. the comforting in the face of the fact that they have disappointed God, that they haven't followed through on their promises to God, which is comforting to me because sometimes I don't always follow through on my promises. Mm-hmm. And I talk to folks who feel really, really bad because they didn't follow through on their promises and they figure that God's done with them because they couldn't follow through on something that they knew God wanted them to do. And that's just not it. God loves them. He will love us through our falling down and our skin knees. They're very, very important to me. Do you have a life verse? I don't really have a life verse, at least not until after Bill died. And at that point, God and I spent a lot of time in the, with me being prostate on the living room floor. And, and he gave me a couple of verses that I have used and relied on a lot. And what is one of those? Well, one of them is in Isaiah 43, and I've got my Bible open because I can give you the Marcia version, but I think you might want the more uh, recognized version. Let's hear it. 43, and he says, the Lord says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire, and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. And that I relied upon through my grief, through being a single parent, through a rough marriage, a second one that failed. And so this one has pulled me through. Is there a book of the Bible that you're studying or reading right now? First Corinthians. I'm in a small group in my church, mm-hmm. and so we are studying First Corinthians, a very important little letter. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul has packed a lot in there. Can you tell us two of your favorite biblical accounts? Yes. Woman at the Well. And it means to me that God will use whom God will use because after she meets Jesus and he tells her who he is, she runs off to the town and proclaims who he is. And people believed her and came out to meet Jesus on their own, which has been my life story. He will use whom he will use. Who am I to judge and who am I to stand in the way? A second one is Jesus loving the children, having the children come to him, because we're all his children. Now, will you give us a couple of your favorite women in Scripture? When I was a young mother, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was very important. 
I began to understand some of her feelings and the pain that she must have gone through, mm. knowing what was going to happen and then watching it evolve and come unfold in front of her. Also, Paul, he's bold. He's preachy. He's overcomes a lot of things, and he keeps right on going. The Energizer Bunny of the New Testament. And he did a 180-degree turn from persecuting and killing Christians to saying, nope, I'm one of you. I'm Here I am. Use me, God, in, in whatever way you want to use me. So one of your favorite women, though, is Mary. Yeah, you said women, not characters, and, people. Um, and the other woman is? I liked Abigail of the Old Testament. Why? Mainly because she didn't directly, you know, dishonor her husband, uh, but she came to Jesus on her own, kind of in spite of him, saying, I know my husband dishonored you, but I'm here to honor you. Uh, this is my gift. She didn't let her mm -hmm. culture stand in her way of yes. honoring Jesus. David, who really is the forerunner of Jesus, mm -hmm. misspoke, mm -hmm. but it's what I think is pretty much the same. Two very good women you've chosen there. Well, it's time for us to take another break, Marsha. We'll be right back with the chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat For the Savior is near I'm stepping out, out of the boat we're back with the chat, and I'm speaking with Marsha Rodenberger. We're having a very interesting conversation about your walk with Christ, Marsha. Now I'd like to get into mentoring. Have you had a mentor or mentors in your life? Yes. My pastor, when I was a teenager, I had to have back surgery when I was teen, and he came to the hospital every day. And that made such a big impression because I was just a kid. So why would my pastor of a large church spend time coming to see me? That made me feel important. When I was a senior, he hired me, quote-unquote, for zero money to come and be his assistant. And I went on visitations in homes and to the hospital and nursing homes as the people there would allow me to come. I mean, he always got prior permission for me to, to accompany him. He modeled that visitation for me. I've, I've never forgotten that, uh, the compassion that he put forth and the prayers and, and scriptures that he shared. He was the first adult who actually believed that I would fulfill what I said I would do in, in becoming a, a minister. Whatever that looked like, I had no clue. That was all up in the air at that point. Still kind of up in the air, you know. Sounds like he made quite an impact on your life. He did. Have you mentored anyone? Yes, and directly, I suppose. I've been told I've been a mentor by example, which I went, what? I have tried to mentor, but it's all been kind of indirectly. I've not had a formal training or, or any kind of give you books and you read and then we'll talk, as I've heard of others doing. It's just been walking alongside somebody, mm -hmm. answering questions, being available to hear when they've 
disagreed with the, their their church and they wanted to bounce ideas off of me, you know. It doesn't have to be formal mentoring. Making an impact, like you're saying, walking alongside others, mm-hmm. that is mentoring. So it sounds like you have done considerable amount of that in your life. Just lived. You've just lived? Yeah, just lived. Just, <laughs> just going about my business. Let's look at struggles now. We all have struggles in life. None of us are left out in no. that area. No. Can you tell us a time when you struggled with, it could have been discouragement, uh, a depression kind of a thing, uh, struggle? Tell us of a time. Yeah, recently. I'm still taking chemotherapy, in fact, for breast cancer. Been about a year and a half here. I've struggled with being able to pray like I used to. I realize that I have been relying and very grateful for my church family coming along beside me and praying on my behalf mm-hmm. when I could not. Yeah, I hit a, a real low spot of just sitting there going, I don't, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I, my, I couldn't even put a thought in my head. It was blank mm. for so long. So I was just grateful that others stood in the gap on my behalf. That is a tough one. Many people who are going through some real tough physical struggles. Think about Jim Hudson and what he's mm-hmm. going through and so many others of really getting close to the Lord in these times, I'm sure. Well, during yes. this time of struggle, has God brought any scriptures to mind? Um, I go back to my old one in, in Isaiah, but also in Jeremiah, where he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. I go beyond the welfare, and I go beyond where he's down, where he says, come and call on me. I thought, okay, God, I know. I got I to gotta call on you, and you will hear me. It's a promise. I'm trying to cling to that. During this time that you're going through right now with the struggle of cancer and all of that, are there any songs that God has brought to you that are especially encouraging, uh, has spoken to you in a close uh, way? Yes. An old hymn that I learned as a child, Victory in Jesus. It seems like through the years I've learned a little bit more about what that song is really saying uh-huh. <laughs> and learning more nuances, just like Scripture is alive. So is that song for me. It speaks of what tenderness and what compassion and the victory. The, the war is done. The battle is done in that song. Let's listen to the song that Marcia has chosen for us to listen to today, Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary Save a wretch like me 
That is a good song. We don't hear too many hymns today. Praise and worship songs are wonderful and beautiful, too. That You know, there's they a, are. A, a good mix of everything. I enjoy all kinds myself. So thank you for reminding us of that old hymn. I'd like to give you an opportunity now to take a couple of minutes. Has God laid anything on your heart that he wants you to say to our chat listeners? Yes, he has. People, particularly women of the church who are grieving, whether it's a spouse or a parent or any other family member that's close to, or even a co-worker that they miss, that it's okay to grieve, that it's right to do so. God knows our hearts. He knows we're in pain. And we know that the more you repress the pain and uh, the physical aspect of grief, the more it's going to want to come back in inappropriate ways. And so if you want to be a Christian witness to your Lord, grieve with hope. Because that's pretty much what Scripture says, to grieve with hope, not not like those who have no hope, but with hope. And 
Therefore, we would miss that opportunity, or at least we have less of an opportunity of of having an inappropriate response of our grief coming out, and therefore then really putting a dent in our uh, witness to the non-Christian community or to those in the, that are of newer faith, to draw close to God and to let him, let him comfort you, let him hold you, let him whisper in your ear how much he loves you and that he is going to be there to protect you. Good words for today, Marcia. Thank you. Will you pray with us? Sure. Father, I just thank you and praise you that you are here, that you have put this program on the air that is encouraging. There's not too many things out there that that do encourage us, and I thank you for it. Continue to abide with all of us who have pain, which doesn't leave out very many people at all. And I just hope and pray that you would have an opportunity that they will allow you to hold them, to to tell them how much you do love them, and that you would go to the greatest link that we know as human beings to redeem them, to love them, as you showed us on the cross. We just thank you for that. We are grateful to you. Bless our all who hear these words that, that Nida I've been sharing and continue to to bless Nida and this this service, this station. You are to be praised. You are to be given all honor. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. This has been good, Marcia. Thank you. Good to have you here today. Our chat guests are going to receive a big blessing just by listening to what you've had to say. Thank you very much. I thank our listeners. I've appreciated your tuning into the chat today. I look forward to future times when we can once again sit and have a chat. I'm stepping out, out of the boat for the Savior.